Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Morning, guys. Third time is the charm. Um, this is my third time uh, trying to get on live this morning. I don't know what's going on with the internet. If the live acts wonky again, I'm just going to take it as a sign from God not to be live today. So let's see if the internet behaves so we can have this conversation. If not, I'm just going to receive that as a sign and hop off. So for anybody who tried to get on with me live the first two times I tried, this is my final time trying, okay? All right, bet. So, first of all, good morning. I want to thank you guys. <clears throat> Sorry. I just woke up, so there's a crick in my throat. Um, I want to thank you guys who have uh, been sending me lovely messages and prayers and kind wishes to my mom and my family. Um, I have good news. Uh, my mother's been in the hospital for the past two weeks, and... It looks like she is going to be going home today. So either today or tomorrow. So the hospital said that this weekend she is cleared. So, oh, somebody said the internet's working fine. Good. Because if it wasn't working fine, y'all, I was going to dip out and go do my morning meditation and just call this an L. Um, good. All right. So my mother is coming out of the hospital this weekend after being there for almost two weeks. And um, this has been a really stressful two weeks for me. And uh Yeah. I don't want to lie and pretend like everything's okay. Um, I was very concerned and it's going to be uh, an emotionally taxing and hopefully not financially taxing, but perhaps um, endeavor to make sure that she has the ongoing care that she needs because her being in the hospital was a result of her not taking care of herself um, by telling people what she needed when she needed it, right? Like one of the most amazing and also most damaging things about women of color is that we tend to think that we're going to be okay even when we're not because our pride and our desire to be there for our family and our friends and our community often supersedes our desire to make sure that we have what we need and my mother um is who i learned that from um, my aunt who i adore and talk about frequently on here i'm convinced that she died because of that that same behavior so when I found out that my mother had not been feeling well for quite a while, not saying anything, I'm happy that she ended up in the hospital because at least now we have a record of what's going on with her and we can make a game plan about how to help her. So is it a good feeling when you find out that your mother's in the hospital while you're across the country? Um, no, it's not a good feeling. And I will be uh, flying out to Boston on, I'm not going to say when because I don't want you guys in my business too much, but I will be flying out to Boston at the end of this month. 
Um, however, though, despite the fear, the initial fear that I felt from her being in the hospital, I am happy that she was put in a position where she had to get the medical support that she needed, right? I'm happy that she was in a space where her pride wasn't stopping her from calling an ambulance and saying something really is wrong. So this is just a reminder to all of you guys, aside from just giving you an update, because I, I do feel an obligation to give an update to everybody who's been praying for us, because I have felt those prayers. Um, aside from saying thank you, I do want to say this, this is a cautionary tale, because I feel like a lot of times we will begrudgingly admit that, you know, we suck at self-care and not think about the long-term effects of that. We think that self-care is optional. We think that taking care of ourselves is something that you see on memes, on social media, or a luxury that only people who with less to do or with more money have. That is not the case, right? A body is a body is a body. And if you do not take care of your body within reason, within reason, right? Because there is a very dishonest, intellectually dishonest conversation around health. We all know that if you are fat and healthy, everybody assumes that you're unhealthy. And if you are skinny and eating ramen every day, everybody assumes that you are healthy. So people lie when they talk about health a lot of times, right? Because when they say health, they really mean optics. I am not talking about optics. I'm talking about actual health. Like when you get your blood work done, when you get your kidney checked, if you track your sleep, are you getting enough rest? Are you drinking enough water, right? Are you mitigating stress by not having situations and people in your life that are causing your blood pressure to spike? Is your heart healthy? That's what I mean when I talk about health. I do not mean, does your BMI match a, a chart that was created for small white women hundreds of years ago? That's not what I mean when I'm talking about health. I mean actual health, the kind that keeps you alive. But that's a whole different conversation for a different time. Um, so that was the update on that. My mom is good. And thank you for everybody who's saying praise God. Uh, when I went live about two minutes earlier, um, someone had mentioned that they saw the episode that I did with my cousin. You guys, I love my cousin, right? And I need to say something to you. My entire family has mental health issues, myself included, my entire fucking family. I have cousins who are suicidal. I have uh, another one other person in my family who's schizophrenic. All of us have an anxiety disorder, right? I come from a family where mental health is optical. We're all strong. We're all high functioning. Some of us are even successful. But there is in my bloodline, because we always put ourselves last, it has now manifested as mental instability and all types of stuff that comes from not taking care of your mind. And so I need you to know the reason why I come on and do these lives, I'm not gonna cry. The reason why I come on and do these lives is because for the sake of respecting the value that I add to this landscape, I have to charge my clients, right? I have to, I have to have bills to pay. However, once every couple of weeks, Spirit tells me to gift you guys with a free conversation because you never know who's listening, who needs a good word, who does not have the time, the inclination, or the budget to schedule a consult with me, another coach, or a mental health provider. And also, too, I will say this, because I am not a therapist and I am a coach, there are some greasy and honest conversations that I can have with you that a, that a therapist legally can't, right? I say this all the time. I come on here because I can go rogue in a way that your therapist can. So when you guys say to me, Blue, you're helping me more than my therapist. Number one, thank you. I receive that. But number two, 
That's not your therapist's fault. There are laws that put really intentional and reasonable guidelines on what they can talk about, okay? And so for the folks who are new to me and to these lives and to whatever the work that I do, because I feel like there's been about two or 3,000 new people who have started following me in the last couple of weeks, and I want you guys to understand the lens with which I'm looking through this world. Just know that when I come on here, it's a love offering. It's a conversation, um, but it's also my way of giving back because I cannot tell you how many times I have listened to a podcast or a YouTube video or a random conversation at a dinner party and it has unintentionally healed me in a way that I don't think the people who are doing that work or having that conversation recognize, right? All right, now that I've set the room, let's get into today's topic. My conversation um sticking point today the thing that made me after being on set for hours and having to wake up at 4 a.m to get my makeup done that's why i look like this guys the thing that made me roll off the couch after taking my nap um from getting back from production to have this live is that there's been a lot of conversations recently especially with my guests on my show humanized shout out for all the people who listen to humanized about legacy and impact for those of you who've been watching, somebody said, are you pulling cards today? No, love, I'm not pulling cards anymore. I don't do free readings um, because I did a lot of free readings in the first quarter of the year and I, I calculated how much money um, I gave away and I just can't afford to do any free readings for quite a while. A lot of you will come in here for free readings uh, week after week after week and never book me. And so I had to like be really cognizant that I didn't want to create a bad habit of not being paid for my labor. So thank you for asking that question. Anyways, a lot of the conversations in the podcast have been around um, legacy and impact and family and how we are doing our best to be um, the ones who change or break the cycle, right? And as a West Indian woman, as a fat black woman, as an outspoken woman, as a woman who refuses to be shamed, I recognize that I trigger a lot of people because we are told that black people are supposed to shrink. And we are told that black women are supposed to shrink. And we are told that fat black women are supposed to be mammies and mules. And so I recognize the way that I take up space is atypical to the way I'm supposed to. Uh, just to let you know. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What is legacy? And so I have a question to anybody who's watching. Let me see who I see in here. Sonia's in here. Rachel, Kimberly, I love you. Fury, what's up, love? Sonia's in here. Um, um, see, Ago is in here. Oh, wow. Thank you, guys. I love y'all. So the question I want to ask everybody who's in the room, what is your legacy outside of how much money you make and how you look? That's the question that I want to pose today. Outside of how much money you make and how you look, what is your legacy? 
And the reason I am asking this question, because I, ooh, I'm going to keep it cute today. There's so many things I could say, but I'm going to keep it cute. I have noticed that there are a lot of unhealed people who are using the way that they look or how much money they make as a facsimile for healing and growth, right? And that's not a, a provocative thing to say. I think we all have Wi-Fi and know that's true. And when I have my legacy conversations on my show, we tend to go deeper than that. We don't want to just talk about the optics. We want to talk about like your legacy for those who need a definition is how you will be perceived and remembered when you are no longer there to control the narrative. One more time for the folks in the back. Your legacy is how you will be perceived and spoken about when you are no longer around to control the narrative. And so outside of how much money you made and how fine you might be or how good your surgeries were, what is your legacy? Now, if somebody was to ask me that question, you guys know my, the way I am. That question for me is a very easy one for me to answer. My legacy is that I want to make emotional intelligence sexy and accessible. When I am no longer here in the physical realm, because I feel like I'm going to be here in the spiritual realm for quite a while. But when I am no longer physically here, when people are talking about me, they're going to talk about the stuff that I said on my lives or the conversations that we had behind closed doors or the classes that they took or the sessions that they had with me or the book that I'm writing and what they learned from reading it. They're going to talk about the ways that I challenged them, inspired or even incited them to be more introspective and to give themselves permission to be their authentic selves. And to also ask, what does authentic mean to me today? Because even that is subjective. That's my legacy, right? And the reason I can answer that question so quickly is because I spend a lot of time being led by my purpose. Me and my friend Bridget were talking the other day. Shout out to Bridget Kelly. Y'all know I love her. I love her deep. That's one of my closest girlfriends. Um, we were talking the other day about how we really, really have gotten to a place where we recognize the difference between passion and purpose. Your passion is the thing that makes you excited. Your purpose is the thing you came to this world to do, right? For some of us, our passion and our purpose are the same thing. For others, they're different, right? You might have, no shade, no tea, you might have that cousin who really wants to be a rapper. He goes to the studio, X, Y, and Z, but in real life, he works for AT&T, right? And he's an executive and he's paying his bills. So it's his passion, but it's probably not his purpose. And his purpose might not even be his job. His purpose might be being a mentor to young black men at an at a after-school program, right? Your passion, your purpose, and your paycheck, that's that third one that we don't like to talk about, are not always the same thing. Let's get into it, guys, right? There are things you do for a check. There are things you do because they feed your heart. And there are things that you do because it's the reason that you're here on this planet, now, for me, for most of my life, my passion and my purpose and my paycheck have been intermingled. And that is a blessing, by the way. I also think it's something that happens because I can't eat shit for money. Like, if I don't believe in a mission statement, an environment, or a, a, a code of ethics, I probably am going to quit. So, uh, human resources always has their eye on me. Like, oh, man, she a flight risk if we show our asses. You're right. I am a flight risk if you show your ass. Uh, there's no amount of zeros on the planet where I'm willing to be miserable. And why is that, guys? Again, back to what I said at the beginning of this live. 
I come from a family with a history of mental health issues. I have watched using a paycheck as an excuse to not be happy, kill people that I love. And so I don't have the luxury to have my soul be destroyed for a check. I don't have that luxury because I don't think I'm built to last if that happens, right? So again, I'm gonna ask you guys this question. What is your legacy? Please write the answer in the chat if you can. What is your legacy outside of how you look and how much money you made? So, also, um, I'm gonna be clear with you. Um, the reason why I'm disqualifying those two things, because there's always somebody who's like, well, Blue, why can't my legacy be how I look and how much money I make? All right, I'm gonna, somebody said, HR is shaking when Blue is in the mix. Yes, actually, that's very accurate. In fact, I've had so many HRs say, hey, do you want to join our team? Because they're like, it's better to have her on our side than not. You're right. I am the person who keeps HR honest because I have lots of clarifying questions at all times about why we're doing this. Is it legal and is it ethical? I'm that girl. Like, don't invite me to be a part of your organization, your company or anything if you have an ethical violation in the mix or if you are abusive or are not prioritizing psychological safety. I will call shit out. I don't care how much you pay me. Sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. Let me not lie. Now, the reason why I've disqualified money and, and, and visual beauty, because there's all types of beauty, from the legacy conversation is because we are living in a time where those things are not working anymore. Back in the day, you could be a pedophile, you could be a whore, like a Satanist eating, you know, sacrifices and acting wild and doing all types of crazy shit, and you would still have a statue built in your honor, Right? But we live in a time of the information superhighway where people's legacies are being rewritten when the young kids start fact-checking. So for those of you who are rich out there, who think being rich is going to be enough, I promise you, 100 years from now, when the 17th iteration of Instagram and TikTok comes out, there's going to be some 17-year-old who is looking through the archives and calling bullshit and saying, ooh, this person was rich, but they were actually a shitty person. So money can no longer secure your legacy if you are moving dirty. And as for beauty, back in the day, we would see people like Dorothy Dandridge, i.e. the black Marilyn Monroe, although I hate censoring whiteness by saying that, but some of you just need it as a reference. Or we would see Halle Berry and people like that. And they would be like, oh my God, she's so beautiful. And their beauty, understandably, was a part of their legacy because they were breaking down barriers, because they were special, and because they were getting opportunities that unfortunately people of color were not getting. And so their beauty got to be a part of their legacy and rightfully so, right? And then what happened? Instagram models. Now there's about a million girls who either look like you who can play Dr. Miami to pretend to look like you. So now beauty is not a legacy point anymore because it's fleeting, it's oversaturated and it's manufactured. Half the time when I'm on Twitter, I don't know if I'm looking at a real person or an AI. So you're not just competing with real bitches, you're not competing with robots <laughs> and computer-generated images of how you wish you could look. You see what I'm saying? So because we live in a time where money and beauty can no longer shield you in the way that they used to, your legacy cannot be built on just that. So people are saying, well, Blue, we know what your legacy is and that's cute for you, but shit, how do I discern what my legacy is? I'm going to go back to the definition, guys, because the way that we learn is through redundancy. Your legacy is how people 
will remember you and speak about you when you are no longer around to control the narrative. And so, if you think about that famous Maya, was it Maya Angelou or Toni Morrison? They're both so amazing. I tend to get them mixed up. I know they don't look alike, but they're just two people that I always tend to mix up as far as their writing. But one of them said, people might not remember what you, no, it's Maya. People might not remember what you said. People might not remember what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. That is your legacy, guys. If you want to figure out what your legacy is, your sustainable legacy, that you don't have to be around to control, ask yourself, how do I make people feel? And not just your audience, because a lot of y'all are really good about making people feel good in front of the camera, and the minute the director hits cut, you are an asshole. So how do you make people feel in front of and without the public? Thank you, Sonia. You're right. It is my Angelou. How do you make people feel, not just your audience, but people who know you in real life? Perfect example, right? I said my legacy was making emotional intelligence sexy and accessible. I'm going to say this with all the bass in my chest. Some of the folks who are carrying my legacy the hardest right now while I'm still alive and awake are people who cannot stand me. Because I cannot tell you how many times someone who saw my light and sought to commodify it and steal it from me. Let's talk about it, y'all. Because when you are somebody who shines bright, there's always going to be somebody around who wants to be your pimp, right? A lot of y'all have approached me with the intention of being my energetic pimp. Blue has a light about her or she has a way with words. Y'all love to say that shit. So let me get close to her so that I can get some of that. That's not about you want to be my friend. That's you wanting some of my light, right? And here's the thing. Wanting someone's light with their consent and within reason is not a bad thing. There are plenty of people who, like, like my friend Lutasha. My friend Lutasha is fun as fuck. I love Lulu. Whenever Lulu comes on the podcast, people say, oh my God, we love her laughter. Her light is why I'm inviting her because I know her laughter is contagious and she makes people feel good. That's an honorable way to want somebody to come into the fray because you want to bask in their sunlight. There's a good way to do that, right? My mom, before she went to the hospital, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. A couple of days before my mom went to the hospital, I texted Lulu because I was in Boston at the time and my mother was saying that she'd been watching my podcast and that she didn't really understand a lot of what I was saying, but she could tell that I was talking about boys and sex a lot. She's like, I, I'm, I'm only catching every third word, but you talk about men and sex a lot. I was like, oh man, that's awkward. I'm not going to stop though. And I actually don't talk about men and sex that much. I just think she was hyper-focusing because a part of her thought I was a virgin. So my mother's talking about the show. She mentioned people she didn't like. Because she's West Indian. And West Indian mothers are rude like that. Love them. She mentioned whose energy she didn't like. Then she mentioned whose energy she loved. And she said this one girl. When she comes on the screen. I don't even know what y'all are talking about. But her laughter and her smile makes my day. And so I pulled up the, my YouTube page. And looked through, showed her all the videos. And she pointed to Lutasha. And I literally took my phone. I was about to cry. And texted Lulu and said... Lulu, I need you to know that you hear about my mother so much joy. Thank you. That's Lulu's legacy. She's never even met my mother. But she is someone who just by being full of joy has made people feel like, oh my God, a little bit of sunshine came into the room. And I'm using that example to say there's not necessarily anything wrong when wanting to bask in someone's light. 
There is something wrong though in wanting to eat someone's life, someone's light and commodify it and pretend it's your own. And that's when y'all got me fucked up. Someone said, Blue, you make me feel empowered and want to speak up and, and aw, that, that makes me happy, Crystal. You guys, by the way, some of, everybody's putting out, we love Lulu in the comments. Lulu, I hope, okay, I'm going to have to tag Lulu in this because I want her to see it and to receive it because I feel like so many of us bring people joy and we don't get our flowers. And so when Lulu came on the show, Kiki in with me, she had no way that an old Haitian woman in Boston was going to be like enjoying it in the way that my mother did. She had no idea. She was just being herself. And that's the beauty of being authentic, guys. When you are authentically yourself, you have no idea who else you're giving permission to simply by being you. And so back to the people who were trying to eat my light, guys, because this is a point I really need to make. When someone has tried in the past to commodify and use me as a resource in a non-empowered way, I call it treating a black woman like a mule. When someone tried to treat me like a mule, um, and then they have realized that they mistook my kindness for weakness and that um, I was in on the joke the entire time and just being gracious. A thing happens, right? That's called like gotcha shame. There's a video that, that, that was out a couple of years ago where this woman was sleeping and this man snuck into her room and was boldly going through her purse, taking her money. And, he, and he, you could see the smile on his face like, yes, I got her money. And then he turned around and caught a glimpse in the mirror and realized that she was staring at him the entire time. And he freaked out and started apologizing, dropped all the money to the ground and ran out the room. Did he run out the room because he didn't want the money? No, he ran out the room because it was only fun stealing from her when he didn't think she knew what was happening. People like to play in your face when they don't think you're in on the joke. And despite how many times I come on here and talk about all the clients that I have, celebrities, people internationally, there are people who are in Dubai who I have client sessions with on a monthly basis. Shout out to Dubai, Nigeria, and Trinidad, by the way. And Jamaica. I had my first client from Jamaica recently. There are people who internationally come to me for tarot readings, right? I've been reading tarot for 20 years. I have psychic dreams and premonitions. I'm an emotional intelligence coach. I literally call out gas, gaslighting and emotional manipulation for a, a, a living. I'm also a writer who worked at a news site for almost a decade, right? So imagine somebody who has investigative journalist skills, is mildly psychic, and teaches about mental health. And despite all those loud things that I do that make it obvious that I'm not a dumb bitch, it never fails. Every year, there is someone who comes into my life who thinks they can be clever and rob me of my free agency, and for some reason I won't notice. Every year, there is always someone, what's that old Jenna Jackson line? Like a moth to a flame burned by the fire? Yeah, I'm the fire guys, right? And so like that lady in that viral video that I really wanted to look up, because I really want you guys to see it, it's actually kind of funny. People try to steal from me. My time, my kindness, my compassion, my resources, my light. And I literally watch them being giddy, like, oh, I got over on her. And what they don't realize is you're not stealing something that I don't have a surplus of. When people want my light and I play along for a certain amount of time, I'm doing it for two reasons. I'm doing it because I want to watch them and see what their true character is. For those of you who are not taking my workshop, actually, let me put the... Um, you are around for the workshop here 
um, OTS. I always forget to do this, guys. This is why I need somebody to help me with branding and marketing. OTS.eventbrite.com. Sign up. Thank you for those who are being... Um, and then I'm going to pin this. All right. For those who do not take my class, you might not be aware of this, but like a lot of times when we talk about relationships in my, in my workshop, I tell people all the time that you don't have to call out everything you see, right? Because your true character, someone's true character is what they do when they think no one is watching. And so a lot of times when I'm playing stupid, which is what I'm actually doing, let's keep it a buck. A lot of times when I'm playing stupid and showing grace, and letting people take money out of my purse, energetically speaking. Sometimes literally speaking, actually. A lot of y'all owe me money. We'll talk about that another time. When I'm letting people do that, it's because, number one, I want to see their true character. I want to see who you are when you, for some reason, think I'm a dumb bitch. I want to see who you are when you, for some reason, think that I'm less confident than the way that I always show up. I want to see who you really are when you think that you're superior to me. I want to... Hold on for a second. Sorry, my, my um, thing just fell off the thing. I want to see who you are when all those things are working in your favor, allegedly. Because that's your true character. Your true character isn't you being nice to me when I'm on Hollywood Unlocked with Jason Lee. Your true character isn't when you're, you know, checking up on me, when you want me to, uh, like, you know, write a story for you for the griot. Your true character isn't who you are when I'm booking you to be on Humanized and you want to get a look. That's not your true character. Your true character is not when you run into me in VIP with your favorite so-and-so who you didn't know I was friends with. And now you think because of my proximity to somebody that you think is important, you want to be nice to me. That's not your true character. Your true character is who you are when you think you are cleverer than me. And I'm a nice, dumb bitch that you can get over on. That is the real you. So I will play along and simply watch. So that when I do make a decision about how I move, it's not informed by intuition or assumption, but simply by your own actions. And then what happens, guys, when I play stupid and let somebody reveal a true character? They look in the mirror and they realize that my eyes have been open and I've been watching them the entire time. And they freak out. And when someone freaks out, there's two things they can do. They can either take responsibility and apologize through acknowledgement and improved behavior, or they can run away. Most people do the second. They run away out of shame, right? And you guys know I do not barter in shame. If I think there's a conversation that I can have with you that's going to make you feel shame, but not in any way create any kind of improved behavior or improved environment, I'm actually gonna not going to have it. There are so many times that I could call a bitch out and do it without breaking a sweat where nothing would come of it but them feeling shamed. They wouldn't improve, or the situation wouldn't improve. They would just feel like shit. And because I don't use shame as a currency, I don't have those conversations. I, even my enemies, people who cannot stand me, have walked away knowing, damn, I'm surprised she didn't cuss me the fuck out. And a lot of them look confused. They're like, Blue, I know how you get down. I've heard about your mouth. How did I walk out that room without you cussing me the fuck out? Because you are too close-minded to improve. And so if I made my valid and searing critiques of your lack of integrity and character, the only thing that would come of it was you feeling shamed. 
That's the thing about being healed, guys. When you are healed, you have such an abundance, a surplus of compassion that even motherfuckers you can't stand or who don't meet you well get to benefit from it. And that's why I say some of my biggest haters are part of my legacy because a lot of folks who, to that analogy, try to use me and commodify me like a resource and not a person, when they found out that I was onto their bullshit and not subscribing to it and ran off while they were trying to manipulate how other people see me. Because by the way, we talked about this previously. When somebody can't manipulate you, the next best thing in their mind is to manipulate the way other people see you. Oh, people love Blue? Well, I'm going to tell them that she's a fraud. People love Blue? I'm going to tell her that all them lives and shit are just bullshit and da 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 Like, I'm just going to make up a story, right? When people cannot manipulate you, they're going to try to manipulate how people see you. I see it all the time. If, I'm, if I don't fuck with you anymore because you were moving dirty and suddenly all your friends who used to love me aren't hitting me up anymore, you think I'm stupid? You think I don't know what happened? You don't, you don't think I, I understand how group chats work? Guess who's still going to have a big smile on their face if they run into you outside, though? Me. Because I didn't do shit. The reason why I never feel awkward around anybody is because my hands are clean, right? And so what happens is those people run away because they've been exposed. However, they were exposed and they still got to be in my presence. They still got to hear me talk the way I'm talking to you right now. They heard me talking about compassion. They heard me pushing back when they were being racist or sex. Sorry, my, my, my throat just got choked up. Racist or sexist or xenophobic. They heard me when I was engaging and showing you compassion, even while you were showing your ass. Like, they got to watch the way that I move through the world. And even while they were envying the way that I was moving through the world or trying to take it for themselves, they were still being impacted. I cannot tell you how many times I have caught wind that somebody who does not rock with me anymore is now talking like me, has philosophies like me, speaking about compassion like me, advocating for therapy like me. I didn't invent any of those things, but I would be a goddamn lie and they would be a goddamn lie if they didn't admit that being around somebody who is steeped in integrity 24-7 didn't make them look at themselves differently. Like, ooh, if people like Blue exist, maybe I should not say stuff like this with bass in my voice anymore. Because when I did it to her, that shit did not end well. Or, ooh, that time that Blue could have cussed me out and she didn't, maybe she isn't for the shit. Maybe all those conversations she has about, about compassion and not weaponizing shame, maybe she actually was real. I can't stand the bitch because she made me feel stupid. And rather than talking about why I feel stupid, I'd rather just blame the person who's reflecting that back at me. But I'm just gonna, I want to steal a little bit of that. Or, ooh, I was trying to be a fuckboy. And Blue called me out. And she's more of a man than I am. Blue called me out. And the next time I date a girl, I'm going to talk to her, to her the way Blue talked to me. Because that shit sounds sexy. But I'm a guy. So it'll probably go over better. These are all real examples, guys, by the way. These are all real examples. Those people are part of my legacy, right? Because your legacy doesn't always attach credit. Whether you fuck with me or not, if my consistency of character has in any way 
improved, fine-tuned, clarified, or impacted the way that you treat others and or yourself, you are now a part of my legacy. Whether I get credit for it or not, you guys, I'm saying this because I need you to know your legacy is how people feel about you. How you made them feel. Even if they didn't like you, right? And I always say this all the time. When you have a consistency of character, people who don't like you find themselves loving you. And you're like, Blue, that's not true. Let me explain. A lot of times when I am in a space with powerful people, they expect me to be a fan or to uh, eat shit and, and have a different kind of mode, uh, code of ethics. And they expect there to be some kind of pandering to them. That is not the way that you create respect, guys. Respect means that no matter who's in the room, whether, mind you guys, think about this. I rode in a motorca motorcade with Michelle Obama when, she, when, when Barack was in the White House. I was literally riding in a motorcade to Howard University with the first lady. I was kikiing with the Secret Service in the car. I was talking to the other journalists, one of which would end up being James Baldwin's cousin. That almost made me fan out, right? And then when we got there, Michelle Obama came out because she was surprising the Howard students for their orientation for their freshman year. And seeing the looks on their faces, I was like, this is so beautiful. This is so humbling. And yet, despite being in that amazing situation, never once did I feel like anybody in the room was better than me. Never once did I pander. Never once did I lay it on thick. I was just being my regular self, having a grateful and amazing time, but not pandering to the optics of celebrity or po politics or anything else. And that's why I kept getting invited back, right? Because when people recognize that you're not going to use their power, their fame, their money, or their celebrity as a reason to genuflect and act like they're better than you, in that moment, whether they realize it or not, you're humanizing them. When you do that, you're saying, you're not better than me. I'm not better than you. We are two human beings having an extraordinary experience. Yes, I'm going to show you respect for whatever amazing accomplishments you have. Because respect is still a thing. But you're still another human just like me. I need you to understand how freeing that is. I have a Rolodex full of powerful people's numbers. I have never asked any of them for a favor. They've offered a favor. They've offered to help me. They've said, Blue, let me support you. And I'm like, all right, bet. Awesome. But I don't see them as favors. I see them as people that I care about who happen to do extraordinary things. Think about that, guys. Your legacy is baked into the way people feel when they walk away from you. And I'm not going to say too much because I need to watch my mouth. Because it's been brought to my attention that um, my reach is a lot more than I think. You guys, if you haven't, I would highly suggest that you look at your Instagram analytics. Because I made the mistake of thinking that whatever your follower count is, that's your engagement. Yeah, that was not true. I think I only have like, I think 25,000 followers. And yet... Month after month, the impact apparently from my insights is six figures, which means eight times more people watch me than who wants to admit that they're following me. That's your legacy. There are people in this world who are taking notes on what you're doing, who are hiding in the bushes, but still being inspired by you. Why would I have 
There was one month, I, I think it was like maybe three months ago, there was one month that I had 894,000 people come to my page. And I think at the time I only had 20,000 followers. Think about that. Who's willing to be counted and who's actually watching are not the same thing. Your haters are often part of your legacy. And the reason why I always say consistency of character is this. I have no control. You have no control about how people are talking about you behind your back. Zero control. Oh, okay, let me, let me be honest. I'm a witch, so I do do protection work, so I am protected. There have been several people who have met me harm, and then harm has happened to them because I do something called return to sender. I'm protected in a way where my spirit guides, my advisors, I'm cloaked, and so whenever somebody sends me bad energy, it goes right back to them. I tell people all the time, please keep it cute with me because I'm not going to do anything nasty to you. But the way my spirit guides are set up, and on three different occasions, three different occasions in the last two months, I have gotten phone calls from friends or exes or whatever who like, yo, Blue, since you stopped stop fucking with so-and-so, their life has been a shambles. Did you put a hex on them? For the record, I do not put hexes on people. All I do is protect myself spiritually. So if I'm protected spiritually and covered in return to sender energy and your life is a shambles, that means you meant me harm and whatever bad intention you meant for me just went back to you. That's all that means. And I don't feel bad about that. I don't feel bad about your bad energy going home. I don't feel bad about your bad juju going where it came from. That belongs to you. All I did was send it back, right? So for those who've been hitting me up, stop asking me if I'm hexing people. The fact that people who do me dirty, their lives are usually in shambles for about, from what I've been hearing, six months to a couple years. That's on them. And I feel zero guilt about that. Someone said, yes, the real ones know this kind of protection. Someone said, I don't like that question. I don't like that question either. I really hate when y'all ask me if I hex somebody. I, I, my character is louder than that. Farrah said, um, the link needs a 20-inch lid. The OTS site is something else. Yes, um, you guys, please, please, please. Oh, you guys, I, I, I did the link wrong. Thank you, Farrah. Um, it's OTS. Shout out to Farrah and everybody in here who's keeping me honest. The link for the class is OTS 20. And we're, we're going to talk about the 20 in a second. OTS 20 dot. Uh, this is why I need an admin assistant. Event. Right. Dot com. All right. Sign up. And you guys, the reason why I'm, I'm telling you guys to sign up. Because, is because it's the last one of the year. Last one of the year. All right, I just pinned it. Shout, thank you guys for pointing that out. The link is actually OTS20.eventbrite.com. And the reason, somebody said the Haitian ancestors protect us like that. I, funny enough, it's not just my Haitian ancestors. My magic actually comes from my Cuban side. I know, plot twist. Um, OTS20.eventbrite.com. The reason why the link has been updated to be OTS20.eventbrite.com is because this August marks my 20... I'm so excited. This mar August marks my 20-year anniversary in emotional intelligence work and as a writer. I got my first professional writing job working for the Harvard School of Public Health in August of 2003. It was the first time in my entire life that I was a paid writer and the first time in my entire life that I did anything around emotional intelligence. And that was 20 years ago in a couple of months. That is wild for me to think 
that I've been doing this for 20 years. It also, somebody says, are you looking for an assistant? I am, but um, I am currently reconfiguring my priorities because there are a couple of job opportunities that I want to explore. Um, and so, yeah, but I will be looking for an assistant. So, yes, I am 20 years in. That's why the OTS uh, link is now OTS20.eventbrite.com. Thank you again, guys, for shouting that out. And the 20 means that it's 20% off. Because I thought, like, uh, if I was going to celebrate, I wanted to give something back. For those who've been like, Blue, hey, I'm a college student. In fact, in my last class, shout out to Sam. In my last class, which was amazing, by the way, shout out to the winter OTS class. Bridget Kelly and her fiancé, Cheech, who we all love, was in that class. Um, a couple of people from the class who did it last year came back because we always say that emotional intelligence is like personal training. You can do the class and do well and then regress and have a rough patch and do it again, and that's fine. Because um, it's coaching, right? And so it was a class full of really amazing big personalities. My friend, yes, 20% off guys. And it's the last one of the year because the emotional bandwidth it takes to do these classes in like in, in real life is so exhausting. I can only energetically do two a year. So if you don't do it, uh, the one that's coming up, you will not get another class until 2024, right? Anybody who's been hitting up about OTS, the one that's happening on May 3rd is the last one for the rest of this goddamn year. So if you don't do it, don't ask me. It's not coming back till next year. Anyways, so we have all these big personalities in this class, a couple of celebrities, and we're in this space where the first class I could tell, people were like, oh, I don't want people to be in my business. You know, folks are always nervous that very first class. When I tell you, there was one girl in there. Shout out to Sam. I love you, Sam. Sam said, Blue, I saw you mention the class on live last year. I am a college student. I ain't got no money. I had to save up to take this class, right? She had to save up. And she was like, I'm so excited to finally be in the class. And then she gets in the class and she sees Bridget Kelly and she's a huge Bridget Kelly fan. And she starts fanning out like, oh my God, I love her. In that quick moment, Sam saw Bridget as a persona, right? As a celebrity. By the time we were in the third class, Bridget was just a person. We were all just people. That's the beauty of emotional intelligence, right? When you are in a space where everybody is being authentic and being humanized and having really honest, soul-searching conversations about wanting to be better and wanting to heal from everything that's held them back, you can't help but see them as human beings. That is part of my legacy, right? So I want you guys when you're thinking about your legacy, because for those who are coming in late, the question that we're talking about today is, and write this down for anybody who actually wants to answer it. What is your legacy outside of how much money you make and how you look? That's the essential question today, guys. If we didn't mention a, a word about how much money you made and we didn't give a shit about what outfit you had on or how snatched your body was, what would people say about you when you are not allowed or around to control the narrative. And the reason why I keep on repeating that definition and watch somebody take it and, and, and make it their own. The reason why I keep repeating that definition is because a lot of times people who operate from a place of fear tactics think that they've gotten over. They're like, well, um, I hated myself growing up. I was broke or poor growing up. I, you know, felt ugly growing up. I felt like people slept on me growing up. So I'm going to become rich and famous and make sure that I look good and I have a lot of money and I build a company and have all these things to flex so that everybody around me cannot help but admit that I matter, right? 
Now, here's the thing about that plan. All those things are good and fine and actually valid, right? However, how are you treating people while you're building that legacy? Because when you die, when you are no longer here, and you might have a statue or a building or a studio named after you, and a camera crew from Netflix or whatever new streaming service is a big deal 100 years from now, and they talk to the children of the children of the people who worked with you and knew you, they're not going to talk about how rich you were. They're going to talk about how you treated their family. They're going to talk about how you made them feel. They're going to say things like, I always felt small around him or her, but he did good work. That one time he berated me or she berated me on set, made me feel shitty, and I cried for a long time, but he did good work. Or she, you know, was seen as so brave on camera, but behind the scenes, she had all these issues and was a tyrant. That's what's going to be said, right? So I need you to imagine, pretend that it is the year 2090 and someone has hired a documentary crew to talk to the descendants of everybody you've ever held space with. That is your actual legacy, guys. A lot of people think because they have NDAs or they are too big to talk shit to, to take down or they you know, look very attractive but have no personality. They think because they're invited into the room, because they have access, because they have a, 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 an optically shiny life, they think that means they got over. None of that means anything. When people lay down at night, my mother once told me a long time ago, a friend had betrayed me and I was crying about it and she came into my room and I was like, mom, I don't understand why she betrayed me. I did all these things out of pure love. I did these things not because I wanted to be thanked. I just did them because I cared about her. Why was she so mad at me? My mother said, and I've mentioned this several times, sometimes people resent you for having it to give. Sometimes when you're abundant, people resent you for your abundance because they know that if they were in your position, they would carry it differently, right? Stingy people expect you to be stingy. Lying ass people expect you to be a liar. Bitter people expect you to be bitter, right? And so when you are not what they expect, they almost have to find a way to self-sabotage to level the playing field so that they can reinforce their version of reality. She also said though, when that girl lays down at night before she goes to sleep, she knows how good you were to her. And I remember that struck me because I was like, you're right. This person is talking all this shit about me to their friends trying to like smear my character. But when she lays down at night, I know she knows I was good to her. So think about it guys. What are people really thinking about you when they lay down at night and there's no one around, you included, to manipulate the narrative? If you have to be alive or in the room for kind things to be spoken about you, your legacy's in trouble. On the other side, on the more positive side, when you are someone who has just taught yourself to show compassion, even when bitches got you fucked up, right? Because y'all know I... Mm, Y'all are so lucky I'm saved. When you have taught yourself to take the high road within reason, because I will cut somebody out. I just won't do it the first time they do something. It takes a while for me to get to the point of cussing somebody, but I will. 
But when people are like, damn, Blue was good to me even when she didn't have to be. You know what happens? Things that you do that mean nothing to you mean the world to folks. I cannot tell you how many times I've been at a, a, a party or a gathering or whatever. And so-and-so, I said, hey, Blue, I saw this random post you did about X, Y, and Z, and it really helped me out. And I was like, really, that post? Of all the deep shit I posted, that's the one that helped you? When your hands are clean, even your throwaways hit. When your character is consistent, even the shit that doesn't mean anything to you can still have a positive impact. Somebody just wrote, if you have to be a liver in the room for people to talk nice about you, your legacy is in trouble. I love it when y'all quote me because I don't be quoting myself. Let me take a screenshot of that. Hold on. Um, I did say that, didn't I? By the way, for those who are asking about the book, I saw somebody write that in there. I am working on the book and I'm not ghostwriting it. I'm writing my book and I am excited about what's going to be in my book. And also too, I'm curious, right? Because I think since I was maybe 25, people have been saying, Blue, you need to write a book. And I was wondering like how it would be perceived because I don't know how to pull punches, guys. I don't know how to, actually, let me take that back. I know how to pull punches. I just choose not to because I have no incentive. A lot of times when people are pandering or being less than themselves, it's because they're operating from a place of fear. Unfortunately or fortunately for me, I'm not scared of anybody. I'm scared of weapons. I'm scared of disease. I'm scared of natural disasters. But I am not scared of verbally having a conversation with a single person on this planet. There's not a single human being alive and breathing who I'm scared to have a verbal conversation or confrontation with. And because of that, I'm a little froggy, right? Because when people are scared, that's when they eat shit. Because nobody scares me. Like literally nobody. I even asked my doctor, am I a sociopath because nobody scares me? My doctor was like, no, number one, you're neurodivergent. And number two... You know, you have a strong code of ethics, so that's probably why. So um, it is what it is, right? When you're someone who is immune to social fear, you have to watch your mouth. If there's anybody who's listening to this who relates to this, I know you all like to brag, I ain't scared of nobody. No, 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 no. People who are not scared actually have to watch their mouths more. Somebody said, humanize. <laughs> I love how y'all doing shouts. Somebody said, hopefully you narrate as well. I love your voice. It's funny because I'm thinking about um, getting into voice acting. That's a whole different conversation. When you are someone who is not manipulated by fear, you now have to watch yourself because the average human being bites their tongue out of fear, panders out of fear, kisses ass out of fear, is silent out of fear, speaks out of fear, right? But when you don't have fear as a gauge, every word that comes out of my mouth has to be intentional. Because if I'm not intentional, I'm going to fuck around and scare somebody. And I don't want that. I don't want to scare people. Somebody said, I wish I was like that. Girl, it comes with a responsibility. Be careful what you wish for. What you share and how you show up in the world is so appreciated. Thank you, guys. I, I appreciate that because I think sometimes people think that when you're brave, it means you're not human and you don't need to be affirmed, which is not true. By the way, I subscribe to your podcast, Humanize. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and the thing is, the whole point of Humanize is taking big personalities and big topics and making them human. Um, I love what it's felt like doing it weekly. Now that I've been doing it weekly since January, I kind of wish I was doing it weekly before. And I had somebody of really important message and tries to penalize you for your authenticity. Yes, guys, I am often the target of people trying to penalize me for my authenticity, which is actually a great segue to the last point I want to make today because I've been on here longer than I expected. I recently had somebody very, very powerful. And I say powerful in the sense of social power, 
but also mental power. This is a, a mentally astute, brilliant person. Brilliant, right? And I don't use that word lightly because I, I don't lie. <laughs> Not everybody's brilliant. This person was brilliant. I won't even share their gender. I was talking to this really brilliant person and they said to me, Blue, I have been in a lot of rooms with a lot of mutual friends and wondered why you weren't in the room. What the, what's going on there? And then they named a really important and influential event that I completely make sense to be at, that I had not been invited to. And they asked Blue, why are you not in those rooms? This is where we get into the underbelly of humanity, guys. There are a lot of people in this world who recognize your light, who recognize your talent and your power and your impact. And instead of seeing you as an ally that they can walk into the room with, they see you as a threat. And so when they get those invites, they're not inviting you as a plus one. Not because they don't think you deserve to be in the room, because they think you deserve to be in the room more than they do. And what breaks my heart about those people is, I'm not in competition with them. I don't give a fuck how talented I am. I don't give a fuck how bright I am. I don't give a fuck how loquacious and wordsmithy I am. I can't take what belongs to you. I can't steal what belongs to you. Why are you walking around scared to enter a room with an abundant person? Guess what? The only people who are scared of abundance are those who operate in scarcity. That's it. Nobody with true abundance would ever be scared to walk into a room with someone like me. Because here's the thing, if you're abundant and I'm abundant, then what's the problem? Shout out to my, my Haitian cousin, Jean. What's up, Jean? Sakpase, brother. Uh, Jean, we were talking about how um, people, certain people of power um, have not been extending invites that were meant for me to go to certain events because they see me as competition and are scared that I'm gonna take the spotlight away from them and how it's come to my attention on several occasions that this has happened. And these are people who, when I invite them somewhere to be a plus one or to come be a part of something that I have access to, they show up, but they don't wanna extend the favor because they are living in a space of scarcity, right? Because again, if you are abundant, then an abundant bitch is just re-upping on what you already are operating in. I can always tell who is insecure based on how they react to me. Because, and this is a thing I call the mirror effect. You guys know I love to do little teachings. I'm going to get off after this. There's something that I call the mirroring effect. And yes, it will be covered in the book. Because I feel, actually, let me write down that I, that I promised that. You guys, one of my biggest problems with the book, well, not problems, opportunities in the book is there's so much to put in the book. I cannot put all of it in one thing. So I'm trying to discern what to do in the first offering of the, of the book. And then getting a, an agent and getting make sure that I get a deal that's worth my... My, my value and then what I want to say for part two or three right but one of the things that I've noticed is that like when you are someone who is um above below or to the left or to the right you become a mirror let me explain that to you this is called the mirroring effect when someone is broke they do two, one of two things they either watch videos about people who are rich to be inspired or they have a friend say, well, at least you're not as broke as so-and-so, right? Because the person who is rich is going to inspire you because they're at the top. And the person who's at the bottom, who's poorer than you, is going to make you grateful because they're at the bottom, right? 
Or if you want to do something that's atypical, that is like unreasonable and crazy, what do you say? Well, so-and-so did it. Why are you pointing at so-and-so? Because they're on the sides. They're on the fringes. They are atypical. So when someone's at the top, the bottom, or the sides, they become a mirror. As someone who lives on the sides, I don't think I live on the top and I definitely don't live on the bottom, but as somebody who moves in the world in an atypical way, because being healthy is atypical, guys, unfortunately, people often reflect and project onto me because I'm moving in a way that forces them to re-examine how they're moving. So when I'm around somebody and they want me around and they think my big personality is fun and they don't feel like they're going to lose anything from having me around, it's because they are open to an abundant space. They're like, wow, she has a lot going on. She has big energy. I can feed off of that because I'm abundant too in some way. Or they're saying, I can't relate, but she inspires me. So when it comes to health, she might be a little bit higher than me, right? So that's how I know that you are somebody who's probably more secure than you realize because abundance doesn't like offend you. But if somebody meets me and they're like, who the fuck does this bitch think she is? She can't possibly be as healthy as she says she is. Why she got so much bass in her voice? You just revealed to me that you're in a scarcity mindset because I'm reflecting back to you and you don't like what you saw. And I'm just going to say, instead of being upset at the mirror, maybe have a conversation with the person who's looking at the reflection, which would be you. Right? Make sense? All right, guys, my hour is up. I love you to pieces. For those who came in late, I will save this. Shout out again to everybody who sent prayers to my mother um, because she's coming out the hospital this weekend after two weeks. I'm so happy. And um, I hope this helps somebody because, again, I didn't plan this live, but I felt like there are a lot of people who are following me who need to hear this message. And if it resonated with you, please share it with somebody else. Don't be stingy, right? If you're in an abundant mindset and you got a word, share that word with somebody else. Love y'all. Bye. All right, I gotta go. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. And I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there. Electric Cast.